Welcome in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, where every single day, if it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, it is a big-ass deal to us, and we're going to talk about it. My name is Jay Man, and I am a video producer at The Ringer, and I am joined, as always, by known Cretan. <laughs> Come on. Known Cretan. Uh, I like that. I like that. That's a new. That's a new part of the of the whole uh, dance, audio dance. Known Cretan, Kyle Tucker of the Athletic. I was like, oh, you don't want to play. You don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to slam dunk my LU pencil. It's just. It's, I sort of like. Uh, I sort of got thrown off by by the by the the, rhythm. Care, the careless nature with which you set me up there as careless the nature. Cretan. The the uh, lesser the lesser known George Michael song. <laughs> yeah, I was right? going to say, care, careless, <laughs> careless nature is the is the album that Kyle and I will do together after we both get laid off again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, broke. <laughs> oh man, that was uh, funnier than I how, thought it would be. <laughs> how, 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 have you, how do you two guys keep ending up unemployed? Well, careless nature. Well, just listen uh, to this minute and thirty seconds, and it's just uh, a little life time explainer that'll shed some light on it so this was <laughs> my a big, careless nature <laughs> yeah <clears throat> this uh tell them that it's careless nature so this was a big uh weekend for uk sports kentucky uh got a big win over uh, missouri yesterday uh at Crow boy were Field. our pr- predictions completely wrong way 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 off uh and uh kentucky played uh, you know, so there's some really great individual storylines with that one. But then uh, Kentucky played an exhibition basketball game today. That more more storylines really than you would than you would like. I guess uh, we'll, we'll get into that. It's not as bad as I'm making it sound. But uh, <clears throat> just starting off Saturday, rainy day, rainy day at the football field. But uh, Kentucky managed to come away with a pretty emphatic win over Missouri. 29 to 7. Uh, you picked a narrow win. I picked, I think, a field goal loss. Uh, Vegas, I think, had Kentucky at kickoff like minus uh, or, or Missouri minus 11, kind of incredibly favored by two scores. And Kentucky just ran, literally ran Missouri off the field. Again, it was like, it was not unlike the Georgia game, downpour. Uh, and Lynn Bowden just went bonkers for the second time in three games. And really, if you had to take away a couple holding penalties, it would have been three consecutive 100-plus yard games, uh, 205 in this one rushing and two touchdowns, several. I think he had like seven or eight runs of at least 10 yards, uh, three or four runs of 30-plus. Got dinged at one point, I thought, was a serious injury and came back in and broke at least two more huge runs. The one where he was down on the ground and it looked like – I think he turned his ankle, looked like – he looked so um, pissed like he knew, he realized he'd gotten hurt or something. And it looked like Stoops knew. I mean, I thought, oh, their season is is hosed. Uh, but mm-hmm. just came right back in after a couple plays for Sawyer Smith. And uh, here's, a, here's a stat. This is what you need to know besides the final score and the fact that Kentucky is now 4-4 four and four after blowing out Missouri. And now, by the way, five consecutive wins against Missouri. They just had their win streak end against South Carolina. But in the Stoops era, that's now two different SEC teams they have – five-game winning streaks against. Pretty remarkable if you consider Kentucky's sort of historic place in the league. Um, Interesting, too, that last year they had, you know, a better team 
all the way around and barely they, beat Missouri. And barely beat them. And yeah, needed really a, a questionable call to do it. Pretty much, yeah. yeah and this yeah. year with a wide receiver playing quarterback, they blew him out. But Lin, the thing is, Lynn Bowden is playing at a superstar level. Uh, and this is the thing I was going to say. The one, the one number, the one number to know right now that tells you everything you need to know about Kentucky football, um, and Lynn Lynn Bowden's place as its savior this season. This is the list of players in Division One football who have more rushing yards in the last three games than Lynn Bowden, who has 499 rushing yards in three games as Kentucky's quarterback. Unbelievable. The list. Of Division One players with more rushing yards than him in that span is Navy's triple option quarterback Malcolm Perry. That's it. That's the list. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He has the second most rushing yards in America in the last three games playing as a wide receiver at quarterback for Kentucky. I mean, it's incredible what he's done. Um, and, you know, if you want another crazy, more crazy Lynn Bowden stats, he now leads them in rushing receiving and return yardage and if he keeps playing quarterback he could end up the season leading them in passing rushing receiving and return yardage yeah he's like nelson in that episode of the simpsons where they play uh like peewee football have you ever seen that just throw it to himself throws the ball to himself (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i don't know if he does that i don't know if any player in history has ever done that led led a, a team in passing rushing receiving and return yardage uh, I mean, probably not. Probably no player ever has done that because, you know, you could do, you could certainly, there certainly have been players who led the team in rushing and receiving. I mean, rushing and passing, uh, but you're not going to lead the team in receiving in that case, you know, and most guys aren't yeah. going to be returning kicks if they played quarterback, but because he sort of played half the season at one and half the season at another, he could do, and he's so damn good, he could do some crazy things, but. I mean, there's no question he saved their season. He's two and one as the starting quarterback. His one loss was a closer than anyone expected uh, loss at a top five team on the road at Georgia. Um, and now they're back in prime position to make a bowl game in what has been very much a transition year where you just, that's really the goal, especially after Terry Wilson gets hurt week two, is get to a bowl game. And it was looking dicey. Now it looks pretty promising. You know, I went into this game thinking, it's possible, you know, I've, Missouri two weeks ago looked like one of the best teams in the league. It's possible Kentucky loses this game and, and with Tennessee and Louisville looking so much better and even Vanderbilt, you know, it's possible you go, can they even make a bowl game? You know, mm-hmm. is the only game they're going to win MTSU. Now I think maybe they can win them all. I don't think they will win them all, but I wouldn't rule that out for them because the defense is much better and because Lynn Bowden to me is the quarterback no matter Sawyer Smith's health status from now on I think Lynn Bowden is quarterback for the rest of the season at the very least I think that you and I, yeah we we were both laughing about how people were acting like that was such a hot take right like, well yeah uh, but I mean Anthony Davis is like crushing right now um but yeah, I mean, at the very least, I think you you go with Bowden and you just mix in Sawyer a little bit. Yeah, like I, I don't I don't see how you could go away from Bowden at this point. It seems like it would just be such a and, and for the for this reason too. And this is I, we were we were talking about this. 
um, I'm, you know, as I've stated many times, I'm a big, you know, chemistry person. I believe in that. But I think that, you know, we talked about after the South Carolina game that they just didn't look right. Like the effort wasn't there. And I think that that sort of colored that win in a more negative light than maybe it would have otherwise if both teams were playing at like full you know, motivation and full strength. Like the team obviously was something wasn't right. And they, they believe in Lynn Bowden. You can tell like they would like his personality is just so, you know, he's running around and like just enjoying every moment of this. You can tell. And it, it just seems like the team is, is following his lead and sort of mimicking his, um, his charisma. Yeah. No, I think he, I mean, I think he's, he's, that alone, like his talent is obviously the big thing. You've got to have the talent to do what he's doing. He's doing some crazy things. I mean, it's, he just, he's juking people out of, their, out of their shoes. At one point, he had two defenders col- violently collide with each other trying to, to tackle him. Um, but the personality is a big piece of it, too. And like you said, just the fact that people think something might special might happen with him in there. I don't think anybody has that belief in Sawyer Smith right now. Whether that's because of injury or other reasons, it's just a fact. I don't think anybody has a lot of faith in Sawyer Smith, and they have faith in Lynn Bowden. Yeah, and that motivates you to you know to make that extra block or run that route to pull mm-hmm. some gravity and things like that. Like all that stuff adds up. It's and it's, it, yeah. it was a great game for the offensive line, which has been sort of up and down. It was a hyped position for Kentucky. It's been a, a little bit hit and miss this season, but they blocked their asses off for him. Oh, yeah. uh, they, you know, they they kept running one play just to perfection, sort of the 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 uh, fake toss and, and Lynn Bowden kind of cutting it up inside. Of all all things, he was breaking a lot of those runs by cutting it up inside um, and, and following some great blocking. But the other thing about, I guess we can just kind of wrap up on this, um, other than the, the big picture of he has delivered Kentucky into position with a, going into a bye week, then you have Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Louisville, and, and uh, Tennessee Martin left on the schedule. Um, you just got to win two of those to get to a bowl game. I think they're in great shape now to do that. You figure they've basically got five wins because UT Martin would be a massive upset if you lost it. Mm-hmm. You got to win one of your three games left against power conference teams, and and two of those three are at home. I think they're going to get there. Um, but the other the other big picture thing is I wonder because he's moved around and he's not been at one primary position, and this quarterback thing has kind of happened later in the season. Lynn's in this weird uh, zone for like figuring out what to do with him. It doesn't doesn't matter in the scheme of things, but what to do with him in the awards category. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's like, true. Like, is there a guy in the SEC that is more important to his team right now than Lynn Bowden? I mean, I'm not even sure Tua. I, no, I'm not even no. sure Tua is more important to Alabama. They rolled Arkansas with the backup quarterback, Mac Jones, who used to be committed to Kentucky. I think he threw three or four touchdowns and they won by 40 points against Arkansas without no, Tua. And they have so much without, talent. You know? Without Bowden, Kentucky is just absolutely screwed. Like, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of just like value, yeah. I mean, I, I don't – Kentucky would be done without – Yeah, it's going to be know. interesting to see if Lynn Bowden ends up on all American teams. I think he deserves to. Oh, yeah. 
I think he's he's first team. I I mean, I think he's an All-American, but like where, you know, because I get hope some All-American teams have just sort of an all-purpose. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I assume that's what he would be. I mean, to me, he's certainly a first team All-SEC player. Yeah. And to me, like, I think he ought to be an All-American at this point. But uh, anyway, we we need to take a quick break. And I need to tell you about Buffalo Trace Distillery, uh, which is the world's most award-winning distillery. And if you go there, you're going to see 200 years of masterful bourbon-making history in action. Come and smell the mash cooking. Touch the charred oak barrels aging in century-old warehouses. Hear the tales of bourbon legends like Taylor, Blanton, Weller, and Lee. And taste award-winning spirits at America's oldest continuous operating distillery experience a tour for every taste buffalo's buffalo trace distillery offers six unique complimentary tours seven days a week year-round like the popular trace tour or see bourbon pompeii and walk through history at the eh taylor tour visit the world's bourbon destination buffalo trace distillery and learn more about the history and spirits by visiting buffalotracedistillery.com and mention that you heard about buffalo trace on the locked on kentucky podcast and you're going to get 10 percent off merchandise at the gift shop uh, so go and check them out today, though, Kyle. There was uh, was. Is there anything else football wise we really need to touch on there? I mean, there's a lot. I mean, yeah, Max we'll, Duffy. we'll talk about it more. You know, this is a bye yeah. week, but yeah, Max Duffy. Max Duffy to me again is like maybe the best punter in America. He His value, like, man, can't be understated. He averaged fifty two some yards. He had a couple shanks in that. Uh, just crazy torrential downpour at Georgia, but otherwise has been really close to perfect all year. He does that. One of the Australian kickers, he does the kind of run out rugby style, which allows you, you know, if you catch a, a, a special, uh, the other team's special teams kind of sleeping um, to make a decision, you know, you're already kind of on the move and out wide and, and it's been open a couple times, more than a couple times this year where he could, pull it down and run, and he didn't. He just delayed, 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 and then kicked it. He finally, I think, called it on his own mm-hmm. uh, and had it had it in this game in a big moment where, you know, basically by prolonging a drive, it was almost a, a, a killer for nailing the coffin for Missouri and broke off a 26-yard run. But he also had a 70-yard punt. He averaged like 53 yards per punt. Um, I think a lot of sort of kicking and punting gurus and, and the 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 very niche uh twitter accounts that follow that stuff uh all kind of agree that he's like the front runner to win that uh ray guy award as the um best punter in college football so yeah th- those two guys are big time mvps to me um both yeah. lynn bowden and and that Max was Duffy. that was a gutsy call i mean that was like a game-breaking play that he that he played that he you know that decision that he made to to pull that ball and go and he was he was moving man i mean like he i mean yeah he's a good a I mean, he's a pretty he's a pretty good athlete for for a punter it looks like and he's yeah. the thing that that makes him so valuable is it's not just one thing or the other a lot of times really good punters are great like specialized punters because they can kick the short pooch kick really accurately and kill it in the corner or they can or they have a big leg and they can bomb the the big punt he's he's good at both you know if yeah. you're on a short field and you have to punt it he he pins people deep um he, he's just 
and and then he can uncork these 70 yarders which fly a long way in the air but his real talent seems to be getting a, a ball to to roll to hit just the right way where it's just going to bound end over end over end and get 15 20 more yards yeah. um He's almost he, like yeah. He's almost like a golfer with the way he can like put it on the spot and get spin a certain way or something. He's just he's really yeah. really accurate with he it. He is uh, uh, by the way number two in the country right now in average forty eight point just shy of forty eight point eight yards per punt for the season. Absolutely insane. Well, let's talk about this uh, this basketball game today. There was a little bit of drama earlier on. I don't want to spend too much time talking about this, but the TV stuff. There was a, oh god, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. It was like mega drama. It, I, I don't what uh, whatever. I'm, let's just not even talk about it. Screw it. So the uh, yeah. It's <laughs> well, so, we should tell people what it was. If you don't know, it's I think so most people do know. A women's soccer game was on SEC Network. And but, went dude, to- that's a pit. You can't talk about that because it's like the main thing is just that UK fans, it doesn't matter what sport it was on, curling, uh, horseshoes, Kentucky fans were going to be mad and they were going to they were going to downplay whatever sport it was. Yeah, no, it's so. not about the sport, but it, it is about like they've got to come up with a better functionality for if this situation happens, it ought to be the easiest thing in the world. It, it was moved to the SEC alternate channel, but a lot of people either didn't have it or didn't exactly know where it was or went to the alternate channel in some people's case and it was saying the game wasn't started yet. Uh, it was a it was a failure of execution, but at the very least, by the SEC network. Yeah, uh, and people, rough. it was crazy. I tweeted about it and it was just like, I got like a hundred replies, and so many people were just taking I pictures mean, of their TVs, showing yeah. me showing me whatever was on that was not uh, the the UK exhibition game. I was getting annoyed just because everybody was like tweeting all. The, it sounded like the team was playing great, and it was like I didn't even get to watch it until like I missed a quarter of the game just from yeah. So I guess I have something to go back and watch. But Kentucky, you know these games. What what you have to do is sort of separate your expectations from a normal game because this is a laboratory for Cal, basically, this and the blue-white game, you know. And, and Kentucky, it doesn't have – I was telling somebody this on Twitter that Kentucky doesn't have, like, the outrageous size and athleticism to just, like, roll it out and demolish in this type of setting uh, or, like, roster continuities. So since the team is so new and they're, like, developing chemistry on court together – um, you know, it's gonna, they, they didn't just like blow away. It it wasn't so fun. You know what I mean? Like the, the, yeah. the takeaway wasn't just really super blissful. Well, uh, although they but, were up 25 early, like they, they actually, as you said, they were playing really well early. Uh, I think they got a little loose with the ball once they got that big lead. And then the, the headline, which we probably should have said much sooner than now, is that in the first minute of the second half, Nick Richards gets hurt. He steps on a guy's foot, rolls his left ankle. Looks yeah. like he's immediately concerned. Like he he looked like he was really worried when it happened. Was like agonizing before he'd even kind of landed. Oh, um, man. And he he stayed down a good while. It was not. It was a scary. I mean, Rupp Arena was dead silent, almost as quiet as I've ever heard it when he went down. Because I think everybody knows they barely have any big guys to start with. Nick was playing pretty well. You know, everybody's hopeful this will be his breakthrough, and they cannot afford to lose no, no. that dude or anybody from the front court. Oh, my God, if they lose Richards. And, and I mean, Richards came, 
they come up and he shows uh, Omer, Omer for Jake Omer for Georgetown had hit a couple shots in a row and Nick comes up and, sh- and, you know, hedges pretty hard on that, to, but has his hand down and this guy has made a couple shots and then just, and I just, it, it was a frustrating play because, um, I don't know, Nick, Nick could have handled that a little bit better. I'm not sure. I'm not trying to blame him. It was unfortunate that his foot got under there, but uh, I don't know. So it, it was, I'm trying to like tread lightly and not say something <laughs> stupid about that. So, so it was overall, I mean, it, it was fun too, to see like uh, at some point, Omer had kind of scored a few in a row and you could just see Ashton be like, oh, okay, now I'm going to step in here and kind of take this as my personal project. I don't, did he scored like one more time, I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe one. Yeah. He, yeah. Jake Omer is a kid from in the state playing for Georgetown college, obviously in the state, uh, defending NAIA national champion. So, I mean, this was a pretty good veteran team that, I mean, even at the NAI level, they were actually pretty big, you know, for that level. They had some six eight guys, couple couple dudes who rebounded it pretty strong. But this Omer kid, he had 106 points in three sweet boys sweet sixteen games at Rupp Arena in 2017, and then comes in there tonight and has 25. Um, but as you said, once Ashton took him on, it was it was pretty tough sledding from there on. Hagen's had four steals, six assists tonight. Um, Made a couple threes again. I mean, what what I wrote for the athletic, which is by the time people read this, it'll be up, was kind of about the idea of, you know, they knew even going into this game, they've known all summer. Calipari keeps saying, "Will we be tough enough?" And you know, somebody asked Keon Brooks going into this game, "What do you want to show in this exhibition?" And he said, "Can we be tough?" Because coach says that's the one thing that can keep us from reaching something special. Um, and then tonight they get out rebounded by an NAIA team, forty-five to thirty-nine, sixteen to two on the offensive glass, which is unbelievable. It could be rough. Yeah, and we need to, we need to take a quick break here, and then yeah. we'll come back and, and and finish this. So yeah, the interior struggles are going to be a real question. Yeah, totally. yeah. I mean, I think with or without Richards, you know. Uh, he was playing pretty well before he got hurt. He had six six points, five rebounds, a block. Tried to block everything in about 15 minutes. Um, he made all three of his shots, made a long, uh, probably 10-foot hook shot, jump hook. It was pretty. He's the only post player they have who has an unguardable shot in his bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Montgomery could, but he's just he's not there. He was not good tonight, and that's not encouraging. EJ had a couple good skip passes that I liked, but he was playing really tentative around the basket. He's a great passer, but, you know, he hit a three, but he was two of seven from the field. He's not reliable on the, when you throw it to him in the post. Without Brooks, they do not have a, I mean, excuse me, without Richards, they do not have a guy they can throw it to in the post when they need a bucket inside and have any real, you know, sincere belief that they're going to score i saw some encouraging things like you were talking about ashton i mean ashton had a couple times uh where he was actually using some of his downhill pressure to create you know to get the defense to commit like to collapse and 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 stunt towards him and and he had a couple nice uh kicks for three and there's enough shooters on this team Mm -hmm. that that's going to be good um there was a lot of well go ahead well that's that's what one of the big things I wrote about off tonight, one, the concern about the big guys and especially the concern about Richard's injury, but also 
the possibility that the general concern about these big guys as it continues to show itself and the more specific concern and the kind of fine point that Richard's getting hurt puts on it that you're screwed if one guy gets hurt may finally force Cal's hand to play this modern brand of basketball to go four and five out, you know, to only have one true big man on the floor at a time, if that. Um, Mm. And Cal basically, I asked him about that, and he said, yeah, I'm comfortable doing it because we have Hagen's quickly and Maxi three guards, point guards that can all play together that I feel are tough enough to do that. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like we can do it. And I talked to quickly about it and he, and he said kind of the thing you and I have talked about a lot. He said, that's the way basketball is going and we should like, it's fun to play that way. He said, I, we have a lot of great players on this team and it's no offense to them, but that's the way the game is going. And it, you know, basically we're better that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Emmanuel quickly continues to look like that dude that, you know, the guy making the leap, um, 16 points tonight. He hit his first three, three pointers. He he needs to play a ton. Yeah. I think he's, he's in a position to, somebody was texting me asking about like who, who could be like a leader on this team. And I, I feel like quickly's the guy. Like, I, I don't I know. I do too. Cause I, cause I feel like Ashton is sort of the, the energy, the fun sort of to the side guy, like the secondary leader, the energy the get everybody going, like get a big play and make a big steal kind of guy. But I think that, I think that quickly is going to be sort of the anchor, the emotional anchor of the team. Uh, I think they're, I think they're leaders. It's weird. Cause I don't like, I think Maxi is their best player mm-hmm. and he's got some leadership qualities, but I think their leaders are going to be Hagen's as a defensive uh, spark quickly as sort of the the offensive leader, and I think Nate Sestina is is the this is what it takes type of leader. Sort um, of an example, yeah. Because I mean, he's a guy who he struggled defensively, and that's again a concern in the front court. He struggled to move his feet Big against time. an NAI team. He drew four fouls in twenty five minutes because he couldn't move his feet. Um, but he had 11 points and 10 rebounds. He was the one guy and he working. Hit some shots. He hit yeah. a three again. He was really working on the glass, you know, and you could see he was like the one dude who looked like he was completely wiped out because he had fully exerted himself tonight. Yeah, you know, I think those are the three kind of leaders of the team. Um, but to me, you you got to play a lot of three guard lineups with this team. Oh, you're gonna you don't have a choice. Yeah, and I, they're gonna have to. They're going to have to have plus rebounding like at the two, three, and four spots to sort of compensate for some of that. Like they're going to need, they're going to need Whitney and, and Brooks to be really good inside. And it was one of the funny kind of, one of kind of the funny on the broadcast and on social media. There's there's this really hilarious argument going on about how how athletic some of our guys are uh which Keon is Brooks in particular well listen let me just set it straight here guys when we say a guy's athletic we're not saying they're freaking Zion or Dennis right. Smith like the highest benchmarks of benchmarks of athleticism at their position like Ashton is a good athlete. He's not a great, crazy, explosive athlete, but he's a good athlete. People talk about him like he's like a dude at the Y. No, it's, he's it's not insane. like a like a flightless bird, like an emu out there. Like he he can get up and finish. He has admitted that he had to burn so much more energy on defense 
that it affected his finishing last year. And I was just like, do you want me to go pull up footage of Ashton literally windmill dunking on people? Yeah, like, it happened he, repeatedly in high school. I, I, I'm not, I don't, I, we're not having a fever, a, a shared fever dream. We saw, we saw Ashton Hagen's dunking on people. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying he's Dennis Smith Jr. I'm right. saying he, he can. And also Keon Brooks, is a good athlete. Like, again, he's not like a crazy, like an Alex Poitras quite level athlete, but he's a pretty good athlete. And he's the best pure jumper on the team. I mean, he yeah, jump, I think he jumps higher than anyone on the team. And uh, I think Jimmy Dyke said that he he couldn't jump. And I just that's that crazy. Really funny. I just, whatever. I'm not going to give that more time than it deserves. But, but, but here, so, here, here's a number, though, that this is, this is a number that is a killer for them. Brooks and Whitney, the two best jumpers on the team, had one rebound tonight. To They're going to have combine. to play tougher. I, th- I think that Khalil is figuring out what kind of effort is required from him. There are a couple different times where he, he came across like flex screens where he was coming down with downhill energy towards the bucket and he just was not going hard enough or was just like he he's one of those guys that his ball skills aren't high enough that – it can eat up some of his bandwidth in terms of like making a decision. Cause if you're super worried about controlling the ball, you're not steady with it. Uh, you know, that you don't have the the mental energy to, to focus on what's important. And that is like making a good choice. And like Whitney, a couple different times, I could tell he was so shaky with it. There was just like no way he was going to make a good choice. Like, cause all he could worry about was hanging on to the ball. Um, so he looked a little rough, looked a little raw. I definitely think that he needs to go ahead and just cut out those like dribble jumpers from <laughs> from like 10 to 18 feet. I don't know why he would take those shots. Um, but, you know, overall, yeah, I thought quickly was, was a good takeaway. I, you know, Cal's experimenting with lineups and stuff and trying to see what guys can execute in what scenarios because those things look different than they do in practice. Um, but overall, I mean, does it make you feel – more or less confident about their matchup with Michigan State? Oh, less. I mean, you know, I think I think in general, what I've seen so far makes me a little less confident in this team. Uh, I, I, depending on how Cal plays it, you know, I think they have the tools to play a style that they can succeed in. I mean, we've seen some teams at a very Villanova, Auburn last year, putting Kentucky out of the tournament play small and, and be great. Um, but you've got to commit to that way and play that way. Um, can, will Cal do that? I don't know. I think they got enough shooting, which a lot of years we don't know. I mean, they were nine. They had six different guys hit a three tonight, and those six guys combined to go nine of 20 from three. That's That's winning level shooting for Kentucky. That's more than enough. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I I just – I have a hard time not thinking that that the big men are going to kill them at some point. Well, I like I told you, when you got big guys this week, Kentucky's going to have to be. Let's just say something really emphatic here: for Kentucky to be like a like a top tier could win a title team, they're going to have to be the best ball pressure team in the country. They're literally no no exaggeration. They're going to have to be the best team defending the point of attack in the country if they're going to be this soft. And I the, tried to the, ask Cal about that end. tonight, and he kind of just you know, yeah, you have to defend the ball. But I mean, yeah, I think the, I think they have to be just suffocating on the perimeter. And even if they are, there are going to be times where they're going to get beat behind it. You know, well, just. It's going to be, it's, it, there are going to be some matchups that are going to be really tough sledding for Kentucky. 
they're going to have to keep the ball like out of the middle of the floor. That's the bottom line. They're going to have to be so good pressuring the ball that they're pushing stuff towards the sideline, like away from the middle. Because if it gets in the middle, man, they're so lean and they're like just so soft in the middle that uh, it's it's just going to be tough sledding. So that's going to be something really interesting to watch. And uh, this team, you know, we're here at square one, so we're gonna. It's going to be. I don't know, man. <laughs> it's going to be a fun progress to watch, and I'm excited to see it. So uh, go and read Kyle's story on The Athletic and subscribe to the Ringer's YouTube channel. Do that for me. And uh, follow me on Twitter at jkylemanfallkyle at kyletucker underscore A-T-H. And uh, leave, drop us a note, say hey, and we'll see you next time. Later on. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.